Hey, this is Celeste. Thanks again for coming back to Pivot to Plants. So glad you joined us. Today, I'm going to be talking about habits and behavior change in the context of values. And this is something I'm really excited to share with you today. And I hope that this helps you internalize where you want to go and what it is requiring of you right now, just today, in order to take a step in that direction. So have you ever tried to change a habit? We say that change is simple, but it's not necessarily easy, right? You can lay it out on paper, you can write your goals down, but that doesn't mean that the execution comes by itself. Usually, we have to disrupt a pattern that's already in play in order to institute a new pattern in our life. And that's because we are creatures of habit, Supposedly, the majority of the choices that we make and patterns that we execute through our daily lives are based on programs that we have um, already instituted. However, they came to be doesn't matter. They are. And we are just running that autopilot continually. So these are basically well-worn brain pathways that we unconsciously slip into as we operate through our day to conserve energy for the things that we need to be consciously aware and make decisions based on. So behaviors themselves can also be self-rewarding and that always once it it institutes the desire to want to repeat that behavior. Take for example something that we eat that's high in salt sugar, or fat. Think of your favorite salty, sugary, or fatty food right now. I can think of a couple that like clients really like and might be not necessarily in line with their goals. For example, uh, tortilla chips. I know somebody that she thinks that that is just her absolute bane. Well, tortilla chips are Carbohydrates, yes, but by calorie, they're mostly fat and they're loaded with salt. And for me, it would be ice cream. Like I just grew up in a house where when my dad was stressed from work or whatever, he would bring home a pint of briars. And that was, that was how he de-stressed. And it's really interesting because, um, milk contains a compound called casomorphine, which is molecularly a similar structure to morphine. So dad, if you're listening to this, I hope you enjoy this fun fact. I've probably already talked to you about it, but that morphine is a great um, emotion deadener, right? So, and ice cream is loaded with fat again, and it's loaded with sugar. And also because it's cold, we don't necessarily experience the intense concentration of those compounds. So it's easier to eat more and more and more. And what these things are called, the salt, sugar, and fat, they're called bliss points. And believe it or not, There are food scientists that are in the business of making those can't eat just one food. And this is actually like the majority of our processed food these days. If you look at a package, and this wasn't meant to be a label reading um, (laughs) podcast, 
I can definitely do that for you another time. But basically, they are layers of salt, sugar, and fat. And they're layered according to how that is going to hit the bliss point and elicit a high dopamine response to where our brain tells our body, whatever you just did, do it again. That was a great idea. Because evolutionarily, we are in the business of surviving. And so one of the like, one of the things I like to tell people is it's not your fault. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you're hearing that more and more in the um, health and fitness and diet realm because it honestly isn't your fault. Our modern food culture and food industries are not meant to support your health, vitality, longevity. They're just meant to drive your dollar into that company and produce a profit for the shareholders. So unfortunately, this doesn't really help us when we're trying to eat a whole food plant-based diet or a diet where the flavors are not as stimulating because we're not eating packaged goods. We're not eating, eating processed goods. We're eating things that will give a slow rise to our blood sugar, provide us sustained energy, and even more importantly, all of the micronutrients and phytonutrients that we need to not just survive, but thrive, be disease resistant, and produce these wonderful immuno response in our body. And that's where micronutrient excellence and phytonutrients come into place. And I'm really, really big on that. But it's really tough to institute a type of eating pattern and behavior where you're eating clean and it is delicious, but it's not as delicious as the foods that you're used to eating. You're happy afterwards and your body says thank you, but in the moment, you're not getting that tremendous amount of feedback as you would if you were eating a Snickers bar, for example, or ice cream or um, potato chips, right? So these, these um, responses that we get from processed food is something just that we need to be aware of as we make strides toward changing our behaviors. And one thing I want to encourage you with right now is that if you are listening to this because you're curious about a plant-based diet or you tried it and fell off, you are not alone. I have said on another podcast, it took seven times before I went vegan for life. And um, I am vegan for life. If some crazy science comes out that says, do something else, let me know. I will research it myself, experiment in my own body, like I have with all the other diets already, and give you my feedback. But this is where I am now because I want to have vitality. I want to have brain power. I want to have energy in my body. I want to feel good. I want to be able to maintain um, a level of athleticism, and I want to be able to be confident in my body and look good and move freely for the rest of my life. I want to live to 100. I'm just putting that out there. No, no um, bones about it. That's my goal. So 
When we want to change our habits and the reward stimuli is so powerful from the things that we've been doing, it's really important that we dial into something deeper than just an immediate response, right? One of the things that um, it's important to think of when we're trying to make a change is can you make a decision based on not what you want right now in the moment, but what you want tomorrow? what you want the next day, what you want two years from now, what you want five years from now. So one of the things that I ask my clients to do is to think about yourself, not just where you want to be tomorrow or even 12 weeks from now, but what do you see your life like two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, how do you want to be able to show up in your body? What do you want your movement to feel like? What do you want your energy to feel like? And the more that you imagine that, the more that you meditate on that, the more that you continually digest and let your subconscious feed on that energy, the energy of that image, of that process, the more you are going to be innately, your subconscious is going to create these um, new possibilities, new pathways, new little um brain trees. I don't know if you guys are into brain science, but when we wake up every morning, we have new neuroreceptors in our body. And if we feed them, they grow into brain trees. And these trees are beautiful pathways of behaviors and ways of thinking and ways of feeling and emoting and acting. And by nature, we tend to fall into the most well-worn patterns. So if somebody has an addictive behavior, it is because anytime they were confronted with something that their body, that their the intelligence in their body and their soul and their heart said, this is scary, damaging, dangerous, um, painful, I need to hide or escape from this, it created an escape route. And that can be through the form of addiction. So that person may fly, slide easily into eating a tub of ice cream to deaden the stress, right? And it, it could be anything else, but we are actually now in the psychology world talking about food addiction as a real addiction, just like anything else. It is not just a learned behavior, our brains actually change and conform and can build these pathways that then derail us from what we really want. So coming back to thinking about what do you want, not just in the moment, but what do you want five years from now? And what steps are you willing to take to obtain that? And that comes all the way back into like the goal setting and behavior change and value principles that I want to talk about. Because although we can map out a roadmap for change. It can look great on paper. The execution can be a huge challenge, but I'm here to encourage you. And this is my job as a coach is to instill hope, possibility, affirmation, and encouragement because I can see you in the future and I can see you much better than you are right now. And I can show you the possibilities of a life that is 
free and beautiful and loving and enjoyable in your body. And so your job is to take that vision, embrace it, and grab the courage to make one change at a time. Because the path of efficacy for change is actually through building self-trust. And let me explain this a little bit. Um, Can you think of a time in your life where you undertook something really challenging and you succeeded at it and it was hard, it was grueling, you maybe cried through the process? I I can. Um, And you arrived at the end, you arrived at the goal point and you knew that you were a champion the moment that you arrived there because you had done the hard shit. You had accomplished what you had set out to do. You had made the changes and you had the living proof that you were strong enough. This is such a powerful, powerful example And I would encourage you to write down what that maybe one or two or three or however many you have, the more you can bring up in your consciousness, the more powerful you are going to be when you try to execute a new behavior change. Unfortunately, sometimes our minds magnify the places where we failed, the places where we set out on a goal and we didn't reach our goal. The many times that we tried a diet or tried a new habit change or tried to start a workout program and life got busy for whatever reason. Maybe we had an injury. It doesn't matter. We were not able to continue to maintain the thing that we had originally set out to do. And the important thing is, yes, pain is a teacher, but it is just an opportunity for us to refocus and redirect ourselves with love and compassion. So let that sink in for just a moment. So I want you to believe in yourself that you can do hard things. And as you believe in yourself and you step in this direction, those hard things can, and they do, transform into habits and behaviors. Behaviors, once repeated, become habits, right? So let me just... Let me just uh, give this some um, context here. So someone such as, such as myself, I lived in Western Washington for 10 years. And yes, I did grow up fairly active. Um, you know, I did some high school sports and things like that. But in that environment, in the gray, I self-diagnosed myself with seasonal affective disorder, which is basically lack of sunlight makes you depressed. And the way that I worked myself out of that emotional, mental um, anguish was working out. And so for someone who values mental health and they have recognized that the antidote to depression is movement, it's no longer an issue of, will I exercise today? It is, I value my mental health. I am going to do this for me. It is the value of being well mentally, of having creative energy, of having a productive day, of then being able to show up as my best self for my small children um, who were, you know, I mean, that's where they were born and raised. So for the first 10 years of their life, 
in order for me to be the best, happiest person that I knew innately I was, I needed to take control of my mental health. And I learned that exercise was the antidote for that. I had to do it. I didn't feel like I was really right in my mind until I exercised that day. Then I had energy. Then I had love to give. Then I had creativity. Then I was smiling and joyful and could really appreciate life. But I really needed to flip that switch in my brain. So once you have experienced one of these um, behavior changes that works for you and you start to implement it, don't stop there. Add something else. Add something else so that you can learn efficacy in the next hard thing. So we tend to, we like to take the path of least resistance in everything in life. And we like to do the thing that we just tend to. It is it is nothing against us or our the way we're put together. We just avoid conflict. We avoid um, challenges and we do what is convenient. So let's take the next thing. Maybe somebody has started exercising. That is awesome. High five for you. And you've already got your water drinking down. These are just some of the basic habits that I work with people to install. But the next thing is really getting your meals in place, having healthy, nourishing food. Because what? let's be honest, we do what's convenient, right? And if we haven't prepared, we're going to do what's convenient. And so again, my job and one of the things I love to introduce and teach people, and this might be one of the hardest things for people, honestly, to um, get their head around if they're not used to being in the kitchen. Yes, I know cooking, it can be really overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be if we put some simple steps for preparation in place so that making the healthy choice can be the most convenient choice. Because honestly, guys, if it's the choice between sitting for 10 minutes, five minutes, if you're at McDonald's to go through that line and get fast food and you know how you feel afterwards or going home, saving the money, grabbing things out of the fridge and putting together a meal in 10 minutes that is going to make you thank yourself for eating something nutritious, give you energy, promote fat loss and or energy maintenance and longevity, then come on, the extra five minutes is worth it. But to get to that five minutes, it probably took a little bit of preparation. So that's where being willing to do the hard thing and embrace the challenge comes into place. Because I tell you, I I love to cook actually. Well, let me, I don't love to cook, but I make really good food. And I consider myself a, this is, this is not supposed to be self-braiding, but like a stupid easy chef. Like I'm a chef because the things that come out of my kitchen are culinarily creative and beautiful. And I understand hitting the different like places on your different um, palate sensations on the tongue, like umami, sweet, salty, sour. I love textures and all of these things. However, I don't love laboring in the kitchen. I just love being able to eat really good food. So what I have learned to do 
And what I want you to start experimenting with is how can you make delicious food convenient for you? I tell you what, I can show you how to make something out of the freezer and fridge in 10 minutes that your body will thank you for. And this is what I'm talking about when I say love the food that loves you back. I really genuinely love my food and it loves me back, but I'm not eating it just because it loves me back. I love it. It's a very reciprocal relationship. So this is where learning preparation strategies really, really comes into place. And so when you are thinking about making these big behavior changes or getting over the hurdle of not eating out of not buying pre-made or processed and packaged food and actually adopting a whole food plant-based diet, we really need to dial into values. So think again about what do you value? Do you value um, feeling good in your body? Okay, awesome. Do you value weight loss? Do you value um, being able to make choices that you know are going to promote longevity and disease resistance? These are all values. Maybe you're someone who values um, that your goal is to lose weight because you want to feel comfortable or free in your body. And the idea of being able to move easily, fit comfortably into clothes, tie your shoes, not have aches and pains when you get up and sit down. Um, This is something that you value. And in order to execute on that value, you need to think about, okay, what can I do for myself today? What's the one thing that I can start doing today? Build an efficacy on this. Practice this habit for two weeks until it becomes part of my routine. And then I can add the next step. So as I mentioned before, if you're somebody that's already been practicing some of these things, like drinking your water and working out, but the next thing for you is cooking at home. This is something that you want to dial in the values for. So just think about what values can you tie into that? Is it saving money? Is it convenience? Because honestly, the amount of time that I spend in the kitchen is a lot less than it would take to go out and get food at a restaurant or even order DoorDash. Um, Seriously, I value time. When I'm hungry, I want to be able to eat within 15 minutes right? So maybe think of, you know, again, with the values, this may take a little bit of thought process. I want to introduce to you like someone who is plant-based because they value, they've read the science, they've done the research, they've seen the documentaries, and they've witnessed other people have transformative changes in their health and in their body and lose 10, 20, 30, 100 pounds on a plant-based diet, and they have dialed that into that as a value. Maybe that's your value. Maybe there's someone who is vegan for the animals. They're vegan because they feel very strongly that they don't want to be a part of animal agriculture or killing, killing animals for food. This comes back to values. I'll share with you, my values are... <laughs> all of the above. I can say I'm vegan for everything. I'm vegan for the animals. I do not want to be a part of animal agriculture. 
because it's inhumane and it fuels greed and lots of other things. I do not want to be a part of animal agriculture because it's polluting the earth and killing our natural ecosystems. So that is another, I'm also vegan for the planet. And as an environmentalist, which I've been ever since I was a tween, honestly, when saving the dolphins was a mission and saving the rainforest and the reintroduction of of wolves as a natural predator to Yellowstone National Park, all of these things are still core values in me. So it might be fun for you to think about what did you value when you were eight years old? You know, what were some of the things that really lit you up then? Maybe there's a part of that that is something that you want to reclaim and place into your life right now. So how does that fit into your value system? Maybe you're somebody that values health. And honestly, I got into plant-based because of health, because my mother-in-law, who was diabetic, saw um, the documentary Forks Over Knives, and it shows that on a plant-based diet, you can reverse the symptoms of type 2 diabetes. And she did it. She got off of her medication. She brought her A1C way down. And so when the health benefits were so pronounced and the science and the data was there and I was seeing people have this result, herself included, and me already being a nutritionist and kind of obsessed with the body, its function and health, and um, just I love the body. I love physiology. It's absolutely amazing. And our bodies are so intelligent. If we're, if we take the time to learn what they're telling us and spend the emotional energy to start practicing what our bodies are indicating that we should do, we will be so much healthier and more whole and holistic as a beautiful functioning human being. So Again, values, I think, are really the core of powerful goal setting. My challenge for you is to try this experiment. Decide what is your objective. Maybe you have an aesthetic objective. Maybe you have a health objective. Maybe you have a weight loss objective. And spend some time thinking what values would make that really powerful. What can you dig your heels into and say, I value that in the long term, even though it's going to be hard to make the change, I know that I can do it. If I value that more than I do, then something immediate and in the moment. And I think honestly, that's where so much of living a whole life comes from is learning how to operate, not just in the moment, not in a reactive state, but in a conscious responsive state. So I could say so much more to you on this subject, but that will be for another time. For now, my friends, thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your feedback. And don't forget, I am available for coaching programs right now. I do one-on-one because I really love being able to work with people individually and help them dial in to what are the most important things in their life, find out what are the things holding them back, and then lay out the most straightforward plan with um, markers to know that we're making progress. And I promise when you start engaging the journey, you know that you're a champion. 
you know that you have the joy in the process because every single day you're waking up and you are in congruence. You are living your truth. You're doing the thing that you know you want ultimately for your own good. So for now, my friends, peace, love, and plants, and I will see you next time.